One of the things that living in Victoria uh, is always interesting to look at if you live here is how many people are curious or like to just stand around and watch the float planes come and go. Victoria's float plane terminal, terminal is right in the Inner Harbor, so it's right in the center of things, really. Um, so is Vancouver's to some extent, but it's in Coal Harbor, so it's a little bit more out of the way. If you walk down, obviously, to Canada Place and so on, you'll see them. But in Victoria, they're kind of hard to miss. So uh, lots of people here are really fascinated by uh, float planes. The majority of them belong to a company called Harbor Air. Uh, they fly to lots of different places uh, around uh, the province and beyond to Seattle as well. And there's been something fascinating happening in the skies uh, between Vancouver and Vancouver Island of late, thanks to Harbor Air. Um, Again, they operate this fleet of seaplanes that connect various spots in the region, including the Lower Mainland, Victoria, Nanaimo, Tofino, the Sunshine Coast, even Seattle. They carry about 500,000 passengers a year on 30,000 commercial flights. So they're a pretty big operation, 12 operating routes. But they eventually want to convert their entire fleet into electric battery aircraft. And so last week, they reached a milestone. This has been going on for a while. They've had some other test flights. But for the very first time, they completed a successful test flight of an electric, electric battery seaplane between Vancouver and Victoria's International Airport, a distance of about 72 kilometers across the Strait of Georgia. It was their first point-to-point -point test flight, not their last, but their first. As I mentioned, Harbor Air intends to eventually convert its entire fleet into e-planes or electric battery aircraft. Joining me with more, joining me now with more on this is Erica Holtz. She's an engineering and quality manager uh, at Harbor Air and lead engineer for this project. And Sean Braden, who's vice president of maintenance at Harbor Air. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. Uh, Erica, tell me a bit about the milestone because I, I understood there'd been test flights. I've been following this for a bit. I'm in Victoria, so obviously Harbor Air is uh, sort of a, a real feature of our landscape here. Uh, tell me about the, the importance of this point-to-point -point, uh, test flight. Sure. So we've been flying for a couple of years now and we've done uh, over 50 flights, but they've all been local to YVR. So we leave the, the river here in YVR, we fly out, we test some things and we fly back. But a big thing about proving that this technology is going to be viable for what we need it for, for the, the jumps that Harbor Air makes, is we needed to prove we could do a point to point flight. So uh, this opportunity came up to participate in the open house event um, at the museum. And uh, so we sat for probably about three weeks going through different testing to make sure that it was possible. And we were really excited to, uh, to, to do the first point-to-point -point flight with this aircraft, just to, so we could tell everybody, look, it can make it. It can go from one point to another point. It's not just doing local test flights here at YVR. For any listeners who may not know YVR, uh, there is actually a uh, Harbor Air terminal at Vancouver's International Airport. It's a little bit off where you, if you've come through the major airport, it's a little bit off of that, but it runs on the Fraser River, right? So uh, you have a terminal there. Uh, um, Sean, tell me a bit about just this where this project started, because I know it, it goes back a while now since you first embarked on this idea of the e the EC plane, so to speak. Yeah, the, I, um, there was a few of us sitting around. I know Greg was definitely instrumental. He got himself a Tesla and wanted to see why can't we make an airplane electric. So we looked at trying to see how it uh, how it could be done and started trying to find players to work with to uh, make it happen. And one of those players became Magniex. And once we got that partnership going, it was just a matter of time. We all decided that we got to make this go. And it was try and make it go by the end of 2019. And we got her done. It was a lot of work. Um, it was a lot of questions and answers, lots of little problems with uh, creative solutions, but we got it all done by 2019 just. 
and uh, now we're working on the next one. So, uh, Sean, what have been the challenges when it comes to trying to outfit one of these? I mean, I think people may know what a de Havilland Beaver looks like, uh, but may not know what the challenges would be in trying to turn one from a turboprop into a uh, into battery power. Well, there's the challenges of trying to make sure that we can meet the <clears throat> standards that this aircraft's going to have to meet. And that's the big challenge now because the standards don't exist yet. So, but back with the version one, it was just a prototype experimental. And uh, we could have done like a tabletop exercise and gone, got a bunch of engineers together, pilots, and figure out what the plane would need to do, how it would all work, what it would look like. But until you do it, then you find out all kinds of glitches and problems that come up that you hadn't thought of. And then you've got to come up with a creative solution or sometimes a simple solution. So there's been a bunch of stuff we've learned at while we did it um, and built it that uh, we had to overcome. Generally, one of the larger issues was products, especially products from other vendors where it was said to be X dimension, the little widget or box is going to be, you know, 12 inches by 10 inches and 12 inches, and it's going to weigh 10 pounds and it's going to do everything you need. And then by the time we actually built the plane, that box is now 24 inches by 12 inches by three feet and weighs 80 pounds. Um, theoretically, at the beginning of the project, everybody thought it would turn out the way plan A was and wasn't until after we built it that, ooh, yeah, we can't make all that bit in that box. So I think it was across the board, every single component that we received was 10% heavier at least. Just try and come up with creative ways to solve some of these problems as the project evolved because what we thought was going to be 10 pounds now turned out to be 80 pounds. And now it's, ooh, we're heavy. We're, you're going to have to either remove batteries or, or it remove doesn't fit stuff. in the door anymore. Or, yeah, yeah, it doesn't. So listeners understand, because when, when Magnex came to you, they were really looking for something, uh, you know, sort of short routes, uh, planes that could be adapted. But this is really trailblazing stuff, is it not? It is. It's um, we The one thing that Harbor Air has is at, as part of the Harbor Air fabric here is we do a lot of short legs. So we're doing 20-minute flights, 15-minute flights, 30-minute flights. None of our legs, that we have some that are quite uh, uh, long. We're going down to Seattle and Kelowna, Tofino, places like that. But majority of our flights are short legs. And we do a lot of tours, which are 20-minute tours, 30-minute tours. So the electric um, battery-type power supply and electric aircraft that whole idea with the current technology does fit it is doable it's just tweaking it to make it um better and better each year to make it things uh lighter more efficient and all the rest and of if it. you look at it just like in our in our beaver fleets uh none of them fly those long legs they're all flying flying the short legs and that's a conversation we had with transport canada they're like well if you have this electric beaver it's going to have different missions than you already have and the answer is no it's going to fly the exact missions that it already flies for harbor air yeah so nothing nothing really changes there and the fact that we're over water basically 99 percent of the time and uh so if we do have an issue with this is with the experimental now that uh, while we're doing the flight testing, we got some pretty specific weather limits. We make sure that the wind isn't um, isn't picked up, the wave state's low and everything else. So we can be out testing out over the water. If anything goes wrong for any reason, we just land on the water, taxi it back, tow it back, anything like that. We've We've got a fairly safe fairly low risk type flight test. But out of all 52 flights we've performed so yep. far, we haven't had to do that once. We've never <laughs> used the boat or anything. And uh, absolutely uh, spectacular Perfect. on that. 
and like that we did a lot of testing and a lot of checking and everything else for this point-to-point -point flight and when we were all done we were all very confident it was going to go perfect and it, it exceeded did. expectations yes, actually if, if anything yeah. we were, how so you, you ended up being ended up landing with with uh, with lots of juice to spare so to speak sort of yeah we definitely didn't get anywhere we, we were getting close to the uh, sort of emptying the tank, but there was still um, power left in the tank. And also we never got even close to our reserve. Yeah, our our so. engineering department might've been a little conservative in our estimates just to make sure it was very safe. But uh, we, I, we believe we picked up a little bit of a tailwind. He managed to cut a little few corners uh, uh, on, the, on what we had planned for the, the pass since it was just done on Google Earth. And uh, so we ended up with, yes, more, more juice left in the tank than we expected. So it was fantastic. And we're really looking forward to bringing it back tonight. Yeah. So, yeah, that's right. Uh, Erica, tell me a bit about just the advantages that, that electrification holds um, for Harbor Air, specifically when it comes to these smaller planes. Because you have several, I've, been, I've been on several of the different ones uh, and those smaller de Havilland Beavers. What's the advantage to, to electrification, do you think? Well, aside from the big one, uh, I mean, like our... Our company is really, really into the, the green technologies, right? We've been a carbon better for a very long time. This is this is in line with our, our corporate culture, uh, so that's a big part of it. But also, um, there's the noise. There's going to be a, a distinct difference. A lot of the noise does come from the prop, but uh, in the design, we've discovered that we're going to be able to, to slow the prop down a little bit. Uh, we could even slow it further down during cruise. We're hoping to get a bit of footage of that for everybody so they can they can hear the difference. It's it's a very different sound uh, on takeoff and it's a very different sound in cruise. And it's going to really cut down on the, on the noise uh, issues that happen in the harbors, especially. Where to now? I mean, I know that that the, the, the long term plan is to electrify the whole fleet, but I gather we're, we're still a ways off. We're still doing the point to point uh, test flights and so on. Uh, where where do you stand on on sort of the long journey towards electrification at Harbor Air? Well, so uh, we're building a second aircraft. It's going to be our certification version. So that's the one where we can do the validation flight testing and prove that it meets the rules that eventually get written by Transport Canada and the other civil aviation authorities. So we're building that right now. That'll, that'll occur over the next six months or so. Hopefully going to be able to flight test it later next year and certify by early 2024. Uh, and that will allow us to fly passengers in the beaver. And we can convert as many beavers as we want at that point. Um, so that's that's a 2024 kind of thing. At that point, we would start to look at uh, other conversions and whether or not there's other technologies that are available at that time. It's it is it's going to take a long time. It's going to be some design iteration. It's not all going to happen overnight, but uh, I think we're going to get there, you know, in the next few years. That's so sure. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say the big thing here is because no one's done it, we're kind of trailblazing on this one. And once we've got that path, as you want to say, cut, and you've got sort of a, a way to get to the certification, that path has been cut and done, then it's going to be fine tuning and tweaking that path a bit. And once we do that, then the other aircraft, getting the rest of the aircraft done and doing if it's other different types of aircraft, whatever that is, once that path is finally blazing from point A to point B from experimental certification, the rest of it can come along pretty yeah, quick. Because one of the big questions right now, and even when people say, how many people are you going to be able to fit in it? It's going to really depend on the battery certification because they really talk about, are you going to be able to monitor the systems or do you have to have containment? And those two different ideals have very different weights attached to them. And so if we don't know what the rules are, if we don't know what the targets are, we don't know exactly what all the components need to have and need to weigh in order to get there. And that's, that's a big part of what's happening over the next six months, all the civil aviation authorities are talking to each other and trying to figure out how do they certify the, the battery pack so that everybody agrees it's safe for flight.
Yeah, because you're up, you're out ahead of the regulators on this one to an extent. There are no rules, right? As you've been explaining, just yet. Exactly. They, they're taking comments from industry. Industry is actually working with the regulators to try and figure out how to write these. Uh, so they're they're talking about a couple of different paths and and how to get there. But yes, they're they're inviting comments from industry. Industry is ahead of them. Industry is trying to show them where the path is. And then the regulators are saying, well, we'll, we'll maybe go partway down your path, and then we're going to cut a slightly different path or whatever they're going to do, but that's in process and could take another few months before we get to, to, uh, to an actual defined goalpost for us. Sean, one of the things that always, you know, people are always a bit resistant to change, right? I mean, I think when planes first started flying, people weren't so happy to get on them. Um, you know, new technology always raises questions. How do you convince passengers here that, well, you know, this is just as safe as what you were flying in before, even though it might sound a little different and, um, you know, it might be running differently? Well, so far, judging by the even the turnout at the open house, there's definitely a lot of people that are eager to get on this airplane right now. There's uh, there's a lot of interest in this. Um, there's definitely going to be some that are hesitant. And I think once we get more of them flying and showing that they're safe and they're reliable and everything else, then I'm sure more and more will get on board. Like you said, it was just, just like back in the day when um, Henry Ford had the Ford trimotors flying around. Some people hesitant and after they started flying for a bit more and more people started flying and now it's pretty much a very well accepted mode of travel it's interesting because like i'd say back in 2019 i would say that more people were against it than for it but you could see the tide really shift even just over that one year and as we keep going it's like the snowball just keeps picking up mm -hmm. uh, more and more people are are supporting it than are worried about it yeah, I, I, Erica, how do you charge these things? I mean, I'm just picturing this giant charger like you would have at the gas station for, uh, you know, you have for those for, for your Tesla, for instance, this like enormous charger. Is that how it works? Uh, kind of effectively. There are these uh, chargers that uh, I don't know if you saw it in any of our pictures. We mm -hmm. have a, a charger here. It's just your sort of standard car charger. The, it's portable, except it's kind of big and heavy, so not super portable. But you you plug that into a charge controller, which plugs into the into the airplane. Uh, it should be pretty pretty easy. We're gonna we're working with a, a company called LA Energy. They're helping us look through the different options for the docks. So we're making sure there's going to be power infrastructure available, and we'll have some of these chargers sitting on the docks. Well, Sean and Erica, thank you so much for providing an update. Look forward to seeing what happens next. And uh, yeah, great work. Well, thank you very much. We want to keep on blazing forward. Stay tuned. We hope to have lots more stuff coming up in the news and around here for updates. I look forward to talking to you again. Yeah.